Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah walhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Ijtima'una al-yawm lil-kalam an yawmi ashura. Wal-kalam an hadha al-yawm yadur hawla قصة فرعون أو قص مع قصة موسى مع فرعون هذه القصة العجيبة التي ذكرت مرارا في القرآن هذه القصة التي قال الله عنها في أول سورة القصص طاسيم تلك آيات الكتاب المبين نحن نقص عليك تلك آيات الكتاب المبين نتلو عليك من نبأ موسى وفرعون بالحق لقوم يؤمنون إن فرعون على في الأرض وجعل أهلها شيعا يستضعف طائفة منهم يذبح أبناءهم ويستحيي نساءهم إنه كان من المفسدين أيها الإخوة الكرام قصة موسى هي من أكثر القصص ورودا في القرآن ذكر العلماء أن اسم موسى ذكر في القرآن مئة وستة وثلاثين مرة فهو من أكثر الأنبياء ذكرا في القرآن مئة وستة وثلاثين مرة يأتي بعده في المرتبة الثانية إبراهيم عليه السلام ذكر تسعة وستين مرة يعني تقريبا نقول النصف زائد واحد ثم بعدهما نوح عليه السلام ذكر في القرآن ثلاثا وأربعين مرة نقول الربع ناقص واحد فموسى عليه السلام ذكر كثيرا في القرآن بعض العلماء حاول أن يستنتج ما الحكمة من ذكر موسى هذا العدد الكبير فحاول بعض العلماء أن يستنبط بعض الأمور من هذه الأمور المستنبطة أن هناك شبها كبيرا بين رسالة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نبينا محمد وبين رسالة كليم الله موسى عليه السلام هناك شبه كبير بين أمة النبي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وبين نبي الله موسى لنذكر بعض هذه بعض هذا التشابه لما خرج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى حنين ومر على قوم لهم سدرة لهم شجرة يتبركون فيها فقال من مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يعني بعضهم اجعل لنا ذات أنواط كما لهم 
ذات أنواط فماذا قالهم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لهم والذي نفسي بيده لقد قلتم كما قالت بنو إسرائيل لموسى اجعل لنا إلها كما لهم آلية لأن بني إسرائيل كما ذكر الله سبحانه وتعالى عنهم وجاوزنا ببني إسرائيل البحر فأتوا على قوم يعكفون على أصنام لهم قالوا يا موسى اجعل لنا إلها كما لهم آلها قال إنكم قوم تجهلون فانظروا إلى هذا التشابه إلى هذا التشابه أيضا سبحان الله نذكر مثالا آخر أيضا يوم حنين بعد انتهاء المعركة وتقسيم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم للغنائم يقول عبد الله يقول عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنه لقد آثر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في القسمة يوم حنين بعض الناس فأعطى عيينة بن حصن مئة من الإبل وأعطى الأقرع بن حابس مئة من الإبل وأعطى بعض الوجوه من العرب مثل ذلك فقال قائل إن هذه القسمة ما عدل فيها وما أريد بها وجه الله عبد الله بن مسعود يعني لما سمع هذا الكلام كلام خطير قال والله لأخبرنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فجاء فأخبر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ومن يعدل إذا لم يعدل الله ورسوله ثم قال رحم الله موسى فقد أوذي بأكثر من ذلك فصبر والله ذكر في سورة الأحزاب يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تكونوا كالذين آذوا موسى فبرأه الله مما قالوا وكان عند الله وجيها إذا انظروا إلى هذا التشابه في بعض المواقف وحقيقة هناك تشابه كثير بين هذه الأمة وبين يعني أمة موسى عليه الصلاة والسلام يعني ما مر به بنو إسرائيل من الظلم والطغيان من قبل فرعون كما سيحدثكم المشايخ يعني تمر أيضا به هذه الأمة وهناك يعني هناك تشابه يعني كبير جدا تشابه كبير يعني يعني مورس على بني إسرائيل من الظلم والطغيان والقتل يعني كما يمارس يعني كثير منه على هذه الأمة والله عز وجل جعل قصص الأنبياء مثلا يعني وقدوة لنستفيد منها الدروس يعني فقط أريد أن أذكر نقطة واحدة نستفيدها من قصة من قصة موسى مع فرعون 
يعني أن ونستفيد أنه مهما بلغ الطغيان مهما بلغ الطغيان لا بد لأمر الله أن يقع لا بد لأمر الله أن يقع فبنو إسرائيل فرعون كان يقتل الأبناء من بني إسرائيل بسبب رؤيا رآها وأخبره كاهن من الكهان في تفسيرها أنه سيولد لهؤلاء القوم رجل يكون هلاكك على يدي فجعل فرعون يقتل أبناء بني إسرائيل حتى لا يلد هذا الطفل أو حتى لا يكتب له الحياة فانظروا إلى قدرة الله وقضاء الله قضاء الله يريد أن ينفذ فقضى الله عز وجل أن يولد موسى وأن يتربى في حضن فرعون وفي بيته وتربيه زوجته ليس الخدم بل زوجة فرعون ويكون هلاك فرعون على يدي هذا الطفل الذي كان يحذر منه كل الحذر فانظروا إلى قدرة الله عز وجل يعني وكونوا على يقين أن الله إذا وعد وعدا أنه سينفذ والله سبحانه وتعالى وعد هذه الأمة بالتمكين والنصر ولا بد لوعد الله أن يتحقق مهما مهما بلغت درجة الظلم والطغيان لا بد والله لوعد الله أن ينفذ ولا بد لأمر الله أن يتحقق أسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى أن أن يجعل في قلوبنا اليقين إنه على ما يشاء قدير وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم ذا شيخ جزا الله خيرا mention about uh, this um, sort of mini uh, seminar or panel talking about Ashura. And as we all know that the story of Ashura is related to the story of Musa alayhi salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of the story of Musa alayhi salam in various parts in the Quran. Sometimes in a brief mention, sometimes in an extended mention, sometimes in certain details, in some aspects and details in others. In all, all of that is in the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa alayhi salam is mentioned in the Quran more than any other prophet. He is mentioned, Musa alayhi salam is mentioned in the Quran 136 times. And that's more than any other prophet. The next prophet is about half that, who is Ibrahim alayhi salam. The next prophet is mentioned half of that even. So this shows the importance of learning the story of Musa alayhi salam. Some of the scholars, they speculated, what is the wisdom of Allah mentioning the story of Musa in the Quran so much and more than any other prophet. 
And some they said perhaps it is because uh, the message of Musa and the experience of, of Musa salam, is more uh, sort of comparable to the message and the experiences and the Ummah of Muhammad more than any other Prophet. And so there is a lot of sort of lessons that we can learn from the story of Musa salam. The Shaykh Jazallahu Khairan mentioned three examples of the likeness of the life of the Prophet ﷺ with the story of Musa The first example he mentioned was when the Prophet ﷺ, he set off on the expedition to Hunayn. This was after the conquest of Mecca. They passed by a tree, a lotus tree, that the people in, uh, in, in the pre-Islamic times, the people of Arabia, used to have a superstition about this tree, that if they were to hang their weapons on that tree, that it, their weapons would become blessed, and they would be more, uh, sort of, uh, have more fortune in the war, that they were, that, that was imminent. And so, they said to the Prophet ﷺ, make for us a tree that they called Dhatu Anwat. This tree was called Dhatu Anwat. They said, make for us Dhatu Anwat, just like the people of ignorance have a Dhatu Anwat. A blessed tree. Make for us a... So like what the superstitions of the, of the pagans had, make for us as Muslims an equivalent one. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, he said, by Allah, you have asked me for something similar to what Bani Israel asked of their Prophet Musa salam, when, when they passed, after they were safe from Fir'aun, subhanAllah, they passed by a town that was worshipping idols. And they said to Musa, make for us gods, idols of worship, just as they have idolship. So he said, you have said similar to what? The Bani Israel said, as a way of rebuking them and showing them the falsehood of such a belief and such a practice. But it shows that a lot of the things that the Bani Israel went through, this Ummah will also go through and has gone through. And the lessons that we learn from them, we should learn for ourselves in overcoming. The second example is also related to the battle of Hunayn, but now the end of the battle. When the Prophet was dividing the booty of war and the Prophet ﷺ saw the benefit in giving a larger share to the leaders of the Arabs who had recently converted to Islam as a way to bring their hearts closer to Islam and establish their faith further. So he gave Uyayn ibn Hassan and Al-Aqra ibn Habis a hundred camels each and other leaders of the Arabs. Some of the people, they said, by Allah, this is not a fair distribution. And it's not an action that was done for the sake of Allah. Imagine someone saying that about the Prophet ﷺ. One of the companions who overheard what those people were saying, he could not restrain his fury. He said, why Allah will go and inform the Messenger of Allah ﷺ about what you have said. And so he told the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ, he said, who will be just if Allah and his messenger are not just? He said, "Ma Allah have mercy on Musa, for he was sort of annoyed 
by the speech of people and what they said more than what people are saying to me and he was patient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, O you who have believed, do not be like those who harmed and annoyed Musa and and Allah uh, made him free of what they said. The third example is when we see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes of the trials that the Bani Israel went through and the torment and the slaughtering and the يعني, uh, of, of what uh, Fir'aun and his army and his uh, did to uh, the Bani Israel in slaughtering their, uh, their, their boys, their newborn boys and overpowering their women and subjugating them, and uh, and so on, we see that similar things happen to this nation. And just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He saved Bani Israel from the, the, uh, يعني, the subjugation and the humiliation that they were going through, likewise we should have hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save this ummah from the hardships and the humiliations and the degradation that we find many of our Muslim brothers and sisters, and maybe even we may experience from time to time. So the Sheikh left us with a final word, and that is to remember that whatever, no matter how much tyranny may be dominant, then we always have to remember that the decree of Allah will surely come to pass. As we said, Fir'aun was killing the young boys of Bani Israel. And he did that because he was informed by one of the soothsayers about a dream that Fir'aun had that one of the children of Bani Israel would grow up to do away with his kingdom. And the soothsayer interpreted that as one of the children of Bani Israel would do away with his kingdom. So he thought he can escape this decree. And so he wanted to kill off all of the boys of Bani Israel. But Allah ordained for Musa to survive, to be born and to survive at all odds. And not only that, for him to be raised in the palace of the Pharaoh himself, and for the Pharaoh to pay for his upbringing, and for Musa السلام, to be raised by not the servants, to be raised by the wife of the Pharaoh herself. And so this shows us you don't know the circumstances that will go about, but in the end we must put our faith that the decree of Allah will come to pass. And there is no doubt in that. Because when Allah promises a promise, it will come to pass. Whatever, no matter how much tyranny and oppression might reign supreme, then Allah's will will come to pass. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised this ummah that it will be the paramount and it will be triumphant and it will be the ummah that is established on the earth. Jazakumullah khayran wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Genuinely, I was thinking to myself, why am I here? And we have the mashayikh, Sheikh Khalid, Sheikh Talal, Sheikh Abu Bakr. 
and I genuinely feel like a bench warmer, but inshallah today we'll keep it very, very quick, very, very short, inshallah, and then we get to hear from our mashayikh, inshallah. What I want to start off with is an overview of Ashura, the virtues and its history. But before we start that, let's talk about what Ashura actually is. What is Ashura? And in essence, what this word comes from is the Arabic word Ashur, the tenth. And from that it is derived. And what Ashura is, is the name of a day. The tenth day of the sacred month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Muharram. So what we are talking about is a very special day. Ashura is a day. I want you all to just figure that in. That's the first and foremost step before we can get into what is the virtues of this day. For a lot of things have been mentioned by people previously on what is some of the virtues of this day. Why is this day so special? Why are we making such a fuss about Ashura? The 10th day of Muharram. Why? And so some people put their efforts in places where it didn't belong. And people started putting in things from this religion and started to say, ah, oh, that happened then. That happened then. So for instance, it is said that the day that Adam السلام, was forgiven was Ashura. Others stated that the day where the Ark of Nuh السلام, settled on the mountain was Ashura. Others stated that the day Ibrahim السلام, was freed from the fire, the fire was made cold for him, was Ashura. Or the day that Ismail was saved by the Lamb was Ashura. And all of this is not Sahih. See how we're getting somewhere and then it just, just dissolved in front of us. But it is not authentic. Those things, yani there is not a single isnad that goes back to the Prophet wasallam that tells us that these things actually happened. So now we have to see why is there such an importance given to this day. And it comes back to three things generally of why this day has significance. Why this day has significance. And the first reason in chronological order, if we go, of why this day has significance is this was the day that Musa alayhi salam was saved from Fir'aun. And that is what our Shaykh is going to talk about, inshallah. So we don't want to get too much into that. We don't want to do repetition today, inshallah. So that's the first reason. Musa alayhi salam was saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this day. And it was a day that as found in Sahih al-Bukhari uh, on the authority of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anh, that Musa alayhi salam fasted. He fasted on this day. In another narration, shukran lillah, out of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it was an occasion that Musa alayhi salam remembered. And it's a day that he carried on remembering by fasting on that day. Now the second reason that this day has significance and يعني, continuing on in chronological order is that this is the day that the Prophet وسلم, fasted. Reason number two, this is the day that the Prophet وسلم, fasted and he ordered his companions to fast. 
And if we look in the ahadith, there's a hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari on the authority of the mother of believers, Aisha radiallahu anha, where she says, كَانُوا يَصُومُونَ عَاشُورَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُفْرِضَ رَمَضَانِ That before, previously, they used to fast Ashura before Ramadan was made obligatory. وَكَانَ يَوْمًا تُسْتَرُ فِيهِ الْكَعْبَةِ And it was the day that in the pre-Islamic time, they would cover the Kaaba. They would shroud the Kaaba. Huh? Everyone following on so far? So this is a day that even had reverence to those before Islam, to the Arabs of the Jahiliyyan period. And in another hadith, also found in Sahih al-Bukhari, also on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha, the mother of believers, أَنَّ قُرَيْشًا كَانَتْ تَصُومُ يَوْمَ فِي الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ That this was a day, Ashura, the 10th day of Muharram, was a known day. And it was a day that the, يعني the Arabs, the pagan Arabs would fast on that day. ثُمَّ أَمَرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِصِيَامِهِ حَتَّى فُرِضَ رَمَضَانِ And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ordered the Muslims to fast this day until Ramadan came to be. So what in essence this was, it was one day that you had to fast. In the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, this was the obligatory fast. You know, the pillar of Siyam, this is how you would take care of it, by fasting this day. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Ramadan obligatory to fast, then this one became Sunnah. Yani something that you could do. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, anyone who wants to fast, let him fast. And if someone doesn't want to fast, then he can break his fast if he wishes. However, in continuing, because yani we don't have too much time, this is the second Reason and this is the most significant reason that we pay attention and heed to this day, because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam maintained this day. It was a day that he fasted, and it is a day that he ordered his companions to fast, and therefore it is a day that we take into heed. We take this day to be important because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did so. That's the second reason, and that is the most important reason. If the Prophet ﷺ did not inform us to fast this day and observe the fast on this day and tell us the reason why, then we wouldn't know the importance of this day. Everyone following inshallah? Okay. The third reason that this day has significance. And this is very, very important. And it is a day that a lot of people mark. And it has historical Backing On this day One of the most beloved people To the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The grandson of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi One of the two chiefs Of the youth of Jannah Was Butchered Was killed The grandson Of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Al-Husayn Radiallahu an And this noble companion from the family of the Prophet Sallallahu was killed unjustly on the day of Ashura, on the 10th of Muharram. And this is why you see that the Rafidah take this day as a day to express their sadness and sorrow, to express their hurt over the death of Hussein radiallahu anhu. 
Now obviously, this is problematic. I know we're going to go into a little bit of a side stream. But this is problematic for many, many reasons. And يعني, an overview, not taking too long inshallah, because remember, we are just benchwarming here. The death of no person, whether he was murdered or not, is to be mourned in this way. No person is to be mourned in this way. Where every year you take that specific day of their death as a mourning. And people better than this great companion from the family of the Prophet Al-Husayn also died. People better than Al-Husayn passed away previously. And their deaths are not mourned in that way. Yani, no one can argue that the Prophet was better than Al Hussein. But no one marks the death of the Prophet in that way. And no one can argue that Ali was better than Al Hussein. And he was also killed unjustly. No one is ma- ma- yani making a mourning of the day that Ali died like that. And for يعني, the people of the Sunnah and its adherents, no one marks the day of Umar's death even though he was killed unjustly. No one takes the death of Abu Bakr or even Hamza or even Ja'far or even the Prophet No one marks the deaths of these people, these great honorable men in the way that they do. And the reasons are plenty for why this is not the correct manner of mourning. But one other example is the example of Hamza radiallahu Hamza radiallahu passed away on a day that everyone knew. The day of Uhud. And the Prophet witnessed the body of Hamza. And he saw that his ears were cut. And he saw that his nose was cut. And he saw that his body was taken apart, his liver was eaten. And the Prophet, in one of the narrations, and it is weak, but the Prophet ﷺ, it is recorded to have said, that he said that I am going to do to 70 of them what they did to this one body. And he was, in the narration, even though it is weak, he was told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he can't do that. However, I want to tell you how يعني, hurt the Prophet ﷺ was when seeing the body of Hamza. However, did the, the Prophet ﷺ mark the death of Hamza even though he knew what day it was every year in that way? Did he mark it in this way? For this is some of the reasons that makes this obviously an, uh, an innovation and other practices that are found on this day from this deviated sect like self-harm is obviously haram and other things that are done in this day that have elements of shirk make it from bad to worse. For these are some of the reasons why this is, يعني, the death of Hussein is not meant to be marked in this way, even though it happened in Ashura. So, what is the virtue of this day? That's some of the history. What is the virtue of this day? And the virtue of this day is that fasting this day, this 10th day of Muharram, is an expiation of the sins of the previous year. As found in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, Siyam yawmi ashura, ahtasibu ala Allahi an yukaffirat as-salata lati qablaha. That the fasting 
of the day of Ashura, I hope to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it will be the sins of the previous year. And Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah states that this is the minor sins and that the major sins you have to make tawbah specifically for them. So what is this day specifically? What are we meant to do? Is we are meant to observe the fast to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stay within the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what are we not meant to do on this day? First and foremost, what we already covered. You're not meant to mark the death of any person in that manner. And the second is also the opposite. So some people making a day of mourning and the others making a day of Eid. And this has stems historically of those who hated the Ahlul Bayt. Those who are happy with the death of Hussein. Right? So the opposite spectrum have, the opposite side of it, they have made this day into a Eid. And there are narrations that say, that the one who puts eyeliner, the kihl on that day, or has a shower on that day, or dresses and feeds his children, or opens up the mal for his children, and spends on his children, all of these narrations are weak, not authentic, fabricated. Very, very important. So this day is not a day of mourning, and is not a day of Eid, celebration. It is a day where we observe the fast, and the observing of the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I conclude with this, and the يعني, seat is warm for you, Sheikh Jalal. Fajazakumullah khayran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. As we said that Dev uh, Ashura is a day that is related to the story of Musa alayhi salam. And as Shaykh Khaled Jazallahu Khaira mentioned, the story of Musa is mentioned over 130 times in the Qur'an. And as you have read throughout the Qur'an, you would have come across the story of Musa in many different places. So if we're going to sit and mention all the places of the mention where the story of Musa is mentioned, and even if we're going to mention the entire story of Musa and its different aspects, it would take a very, very long time. But inshallah, it's some homework that you can do to pay some attention to the story of Musa alayhi salam. To either read it in the Qur'an or to read it in some uh, books of the stories of the prophets like Ibn Kathir's book. Or there is يعني, something that will easily summarize the story of Musa for you. is a hadith called Hadith al-Futun. If anyone has heard of that hadith, as mentioned by the scholars of tafsir, as narrated by Imam al Nasa'i, even though it's not, the scholars of hadith didn't say that it is a hadith attributed to the Prophet, but they said it's attributed to the sayings of Ibn Abbas, when he was asked by Sa'id ibn Jubayr, who was one of the greats, Tabi'een, who was killed by Al Hajjaj. And he was a student of Abdullah bin Abbas And he asked about this verse that comes in Surah Taha وَفَتَنَّاكَ And we tested you great tests And so he narrates this long narration That I've printed out in 11 pages So if you like I'll read it to you <laughs> So the test of Musa if we look at the, at the life of Musa, his life was tests 
from the moment he was born. And Musa alayhi salam faced death at at least five different times in his life. From the moment he was born, as we mentioned, Fir'aun had seen in a dream that one of the children of many Israel would do away with his kingdom. And so he thought he can avert the decree of Allah. And so he made a decision to slaughter all of the boys, the newborn boys of Bani Israel. So he did that for a while. And then he found there's a problem. If there's no boys and he left the girls alive to be in service because they were the slaves of Egypt. Then the men of Bani Israel would eventually grow old and die. And there would be no men to procreate with the women. And eventually even the women would die and there would be no slaves left in Egypt. And then they would have to do the menial works, the low, the lowly works that they had the Bani Israel doing. So I said, this is not, not good. So they thought of something else. They thought, we'll kill the children one year and we'll leave the children the next year. That way, yani we got better chance of killing that prophetic child and as well even if he was to rise one day he wouldn't have such a large number and would be able to overcome him and so the mother of Musa she gave birth to her first son who was Harun Harun came before Musa and then later when she became pregnant she gave birth to Musa in the year of the killing it wasn't in the next year some scholars said there's four years between Yani, uh, uh, Harun and Musa. Anyway, Musa alayhi salam was born in the year of the killing. And so the mother of Musa was scared. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired to her, as Allah mentions in Surah Taha, that throw him in a coffin and throw him into the, into the sea, the Nile. And so that in itself, imagine throwing a newborn child into, in a coffin into the water. Is that death or not? What are the chances of that child surviving? But who was taking care of that child? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah saved Musa alayhi salam from certain death. And the second... And so, يعني, the mother of Musa, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised her, We will surely return him to you. Don't worry, don't grieve, don't fear, we'll return him to you. The shayt, uh, naam. And so, that was the first stage of death. That was the first time he got يعني, saved from death. The second time, is when the casket was found by the servant girls of the wife of Fir'aun. They found the casket, a box closed. They thought maybe there's gold in it, there's treasure in it. They thought, let's open to see what's in it. They said, if we open it and there's treasure, maybe the, the queen will think that we've taken some and left her the rest. So we best not open it. 
so that we leave it sealed, so we bring it to her. So they carried it, not knowing what's inside, until they brought it to the wife of Fir'aun, who later on became a Muslim, by the way, and we'll see why. She opened the chest, and as soon as she opened the chest, Allah put the love in her heart for Musa. وَأَلْقَيْتُ عَلَيْكَ مَحَبَّةً مِّنِّي وَلِتُصْنَعَ عَلَىٰ عِينِي Allah put the love of Musa in, the heart, in her heart immediately. Even though she was not from their يعني, lineage. The Pharaonic people were of different lineage than the Bani Israel people. He was of the lineage of their slaves. But she loved him. And so when they heard that this, they could obviously see he was an Israeli, a Bani Israel child. So they said, we have to go and slaughter him. She said, لا تقتلوه. Don't kill him. She said to the people, to the soldiers, they already got their blades ready to, to slaughter him. She said, look, let's take him to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is the, is the king. Whatever he says goes. One of many, slaughter all of many Israel, one's not going to make a difference. I said, let's take him to Pharaoh. And if Pharaoh agrees to if, if Pharaoh agrees to, to save him, to spare him, then no one's got any problem. And if Pharaoh decides to slaughter him, then I won't blame you. You can do what you want. So she got rid of the soldiers. Now she has to convince Pharaoh. She went to Pharaoh and she said to him, she said, don't kill him. May he be a cause of happiness. So happy, you cry tears of joy from him. May he be a cause of happiness for you and for me. For me and for you. Don't kill him. Perhaps he will benefit us or will adopt him as a son. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Look at the response of Fir'aun. He said, laki, la He's going to be a joy for you, not a joy for me. Now sometimes your wife asks you for something. She says it's something good. It's going to make you happy. It's not going to make me happy. You don't know it's going to make you happy. Rasulullah he said, Musa turned out to be a cause of happiness and joy because Musa was the cause for the wife of Pharaoh to become a Muslim. And had Pharaoh said, Allah would have guided him and made him a Muslim as well. You have to be very careful what we say. And so now this is the second time that Musa was saved from death. Now we have a problem. Musa is a baby. They didn't have S26 before. They needed to breastfeed. And because the wife of Fir'aun, she's not his mother, she wasn't lactating. They had to find someone to breastfeed the baby Musa. وَحَرَّمْنَا عَلَيْهِ الْمَرَاضِعِ Allah did not allow Musa to suckle from any woman. Any woman, even though she was lactating, she had another child that she could breastfeed any child. When it came to Musa, he would refuse. Every 
every breast. And then he's crying, he's a baby, he's crying, he's hungry, and they're getting more and more agitated. If he continues like this, he's going to die. Who's sitting at home? The mother of Musa, alayhi salam. The mother of, Mu- the, the mother of Musa, Allah says, فَأَصْبَحَ فُؤَادِ أُمِّ مُوسَى فَارِغًا The heart of the mother of Musa became empty. She didn't care about anything except Musa. All she could think about is Musa. She doesn't want to eat, she doesn't want to drink, she doesn't want to sleep, she doesn't want to clean. Nothing means anything, only she's worried about Musa. What happened to him? And the shaitan came to... Remember, the mother of Musa was a believer. Allah said, cast him. Allah promised that he's going to return him. But the shaitan came to her at that weak time. And he said to her, what have you done? Why did you throw him into the casket, into the sea? Wouldn't it have been better if you left him? Even if they were going to slaughter him, at least you know what happened. At least you could have had that child. At least you could have washed him and shrouded him and buried him. At least you know what happened. Now you don't know where he is. You don't know if the animals and the beasts and could have eaten him. He would have sunk into the sea and the fish would have eaten his flesh. You don't know. Now she's supposed to just stay patient. But she forgot the promise of Allah. And so she told her daughter, go and search for news about him. And so the sister of Musa is going, searching. What happened to Musa? She went into the street. She went into the marketplaces. And she's, and she's looking far. فَبَصُرَتْ بِهِ عَنْ جُنُوبِ She's looking out and he was right there next to her. And so she became surprised because they were looking for someone to breastfeed. She said, هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ بَيْتٍ يَكْفُلُونَهُ لَكُمْ وَهُمْ لَهُ نَاصِحُونَ Should I not tell you about someone who will take care of him and they will treat him well? They said, how do you know about him? And now they're going to, how do you know about him? How do you know we're looking for someone to breastfeed him? How do you know that there's a family who will, who will take care of him and they'll do well by him? Everyone wasn't able to breastfeed him. How do you know that there's someone who's able to breastfeed him? Now if she divulges the secret, what's going to happen to her? And what's going to happen to him? And this is another time that Musa is saved from death and saved from great turmoil. And then in the story, it continues. Now, there's a lot of beautiful details to the story of how the mother of Musa is now hired by by the palace to breastfeed her own son. She's getting paid to do her job. <laughs> and so there is a narration that says, يعني, uh, I couldn't find it, but نعمل, uh, the best money is the money to get like the mother of Musa. You're doing what you have to do and you're getting paid at the same time. يعني, the meaning of it is. المهم, now Musa alayhi salam, after he's breastfed from his mother, he returns now to the palace. And Fir'aun is sitting in the lap of Fir'aun, who he's like his father, but Fir'aun isn't really sort of keen on him, he's holding him. And Musa alayhi salam pulls the bead of Fir'aun and brings him down to the ground. 
And the soldiers are standing there, they're ready now to slaughter him. And they said, look, this is the prophecy of Ibrahim, that one of his descendants will be a prophet and will be a king and a ruler. And he will do away with your kingdom. And so they came ready to slaughter him. The wife of Fir'aun intercedes again. And she said, he's only a child, this is what children do. He doesn't know what he's doing. Look, let's get a piece of coal and let's get something else and see which one he will, he will pick. And he picked the coal. See, he doesn't know what he's doing. He picked the coal and he burnt his mouth. And so by that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved him again from death. And then Musa alayhi salam grew up to be a young man. And no one knew that Musa alayhi salam was from Bani Israel. He was raised as being the son of the Pharaoh. Living in luxury, living in honor, living in dignity. One day he was passing by the roads and he saw one of the Fir'auni men bashing one of the Bani Israel men. And he was calling out, help me, help me, save me. He's going to get... You have to understand that the Bani Israel had no value whatsoever. You could kill a Bani Israel man, woman, child. No one would say anything. No one would flinch. And so he came, Musa salam, saw the injustice and he couldn't help himself. So he was trying to fend off the Fir'auni man and he was like, you know, what are you doing? The only way he could fend him off was to give him a punch. He didn't mean to, but that punch was the end. He killed him with one punch. And Allah Ta'ala gave Musa salam, great physical strength. And so he killed that man and nobody knew it was Musa except for the man that he saved. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously. The Fir'auni man was dead and there was no other witnesses. The next day, that same Bani Israel man was in a fight with another guy. Looks like this guy's a troublemaker. And so he came, come and save me, come and save me. And so Musa alayhi salam came and he put his fist up. And he said, you want to kill me like you killed that man the other day? And they were looking for the, for the murderer. No one knew, no one expected to look, to expect that a Fir'auni man would kill a fellow Fir'auni man. And so now he divulged his secret. And now became exposed. He's not really a Fir'auni man, he's a Bani Israel man. What are they going to do? So they held a council. The Fir'aun with his council decide what they're going to do with Musa. And so they made the decision, it's time to kill Musa. He's not Aslan a Fir'auni person, he's a Bani Israeli, and he deserved, he should have been killed a long time ago. One of the people who was in the council, he heard what their decision was, and he ran, he took a shortcut through the city, and he told Musa alayhi salam, يَأْتَمِرُونَ بِكَ لِيَقْتُلُوكَ that they're making a council, they've made a decision to kill you. Fakhruj, get out. So this was another time that Allah saved Musa alayhi salam. Look at all the trials that Allah, from certain death, Allah saved Musa alayhi salam. 
until Musa alayhi salam ran away. He doesn't know. He's a prince. He doesn't know where he's going. He just ran and ran and ran until he came to a place he doesn't know. But it turned out that a place is called Madian. And in that place, the people, he found some people going to the well and giving يعني, uh, drink to their flocks. And he saw two women who were standing by the side because I don't want to mix with the men. And so all the men fed their flocks and then they covered, they would cover the well with a huge rock so that nothing, no dirt or whatever falls into the well. So it stays clean and stays so that all the men have to come together and lift the rock. Now the men came, gave water to their flocks, didn't think about those women. No one wants to, they're all fighting each other. They got what they want, they put the rock back and they left the women. Musa alayhi salam, he saw those women, felt sorry for them. He himself held the rock by himself and moved it. And he gave water for their flock and then he put the rock back and he went back under the shade didn't speak to the women, didn't, and he just did his job and went back. And they, they explained to him why they're here, because they said their father is an old man, and, and they stay back, they don't intermingle with the men, they don't compete with them, until they go away. Sometimes they leave them a bit of water, sometimes they think about them, but this time they didn't. So Musa alayhi salam, he helped them out. And then they went back to their father, and they told him what, what, the good deed that Musa did. And so Musa salam, and they came back to Musa. They said, our father's inviting you, wants to thank you for the good deed that they have done. So they took him back, or she took him back, one of the daughters took him back. And the father, who's Shaib, salam, he said, I want to, as a reward, I want to give you in marriage one of my daughters. And the mahar is that you have to serve me for eight years. And if you want to extend, make it 10, that would be even better, but I don't want to put too much pressure on you. So Musa alayhi salam, he agreed. And he stayed for those years in Madian, being a herdsman. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, until the period finished and he was free to go, and he traveled with his family until he came to the mountain where he saw the fire, and he went up, and that's where the revelation started. Now, all of these experiences that Musa alayhi salam went through, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made these tests and these difficulties and made him live for all those years in Madian for the right time to come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was preparing Musa alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Qur'an, إِذْ تَمْشِي أُخْتُكَ فَتَقُولُ هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَى مَنْ يَكْفُلُ فَرَجَعْنَاكَ إِلَىٰ أُمِّكَ كَيْ تَقَرَّ عَيْنُهَا وَلَا تَحْزَنُ وَقَتَلْتَ نَفْسًا فَنَجَّيْنَاكَ مِنَ الْغَمِّ وَفَتَنَّاكَ فُتُونًا When your sister was walking and told the people when they were looking for a breastfeeding mother, should I not show you to a family that will adopt him? And so, you will return to your mother so that she doesn't get grieved. And so she enjoys your, so that, so that you could be an enjoyment for her if she doesn't grieve. And you killed a life and we saved you from the distress and we tested you great tests. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something amazing. فَلَبِثْتَ سِنِينَ فِي أَهْلِ مَدْيَنَ ثُمَّ جِئْتَ عَلَىٰ قَدَرِي يَا مُوسَىٰ
and you spent some years in Madian, and then you came to my appointed time, O Musa. What I wanted for us to learn from this is that the trials that we go through in life are a preparation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a job that Allah wishes us to fulfill, for a qadr that Allah has for each and every one of us. And when we pass those tests, then we become worthy of this job that Allah has designed for us. So don't be grieved by the tests that you go through, but rather persevere, have patience, and have your dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't know where your trials will take you so that you can have a special position that Allah has for you in this life. جزاكم الله خيرا وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala May the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم as to follows my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's a blessing from Allah Azza wa Jal that we unite once again with uh, my beloved brothers in Islam and our dear beloved Mashayikh. We benefited a lot and immensely from them tonight and we continue to do so. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to gather us in a better place than this place. My brothers and sisters in Islam, Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhuma narrated and he said inna yawma Ashura yawmun min ayyamillah that the day of Ashura is one of the days of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what does it mean that the day of Ashura is from the days of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah azza wa jalla in the Quran he commands the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at the beginning of surah Ibrahim Remind the people of the days of Allah. Remind the people of the days of Allah. Ashura is from the days of Allah. So what does it mean that Ashura is one of the days of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You see, every single day we live is a day for Allah azza wa jal. Allah azza wa jal owns all the days. But Allah are one thing and every other day is something else. Just like we say Baytullah, the house of Allah. You see, there are many houses on earth, but they're all one thing, and the houses of Allah are something else. They are al-masajid. When we say Nabiullah, that means this human being is one thing, these human beings, the prophets, are one thing, and everyone else is something else. When Allah Azza says, Allah, the she-camel of Allah, this is the camel that came out from a stone, from a rock, and it was a miraculous, it was a miracle given to the people of uh, of, of Salih alayhi salam. But that camel is one thing and all the other camels are something else. Ayyamullah are special days and every other day is something else. Ayyamullah, what does it mean? On the days of Allah, these are the days in which al-kafir, al-mu'min, the rebellious, the transgressor, the sinner, everyone knows the power of Allah azza wa on these days. Everyone knows the dominance and the authority and the control of Allah Azza wa Jal on the days of Allah. 
To the point where Fir'aun, as he's drowning, he would say, Amantu annahu la ilaha manat bihi banu Israel. He accepts Iman on that day. These are, that's how powerful the deeds of Allah are. Everyone would witness the control of Allah, the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. But these are the deeds of Allah. And so the day of Ashura is coming. On a Monday, we need to reflect. We need to learn and understand that on days like this, Ayyamullah, everyone bears witness to the fact that La ilaha illallah, there is no Lord worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters in Islam, on this day, the day of Ashura, of course we all know this is the day in which Allah azza wa jal saved Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel from Fir'aun and the army of Fir'aun. And so it was on the night, on the night of the of the day of Ashura, the night, just the night before, that night before the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reveal to Musa alayhi salam a commandment. He says to him, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَسْرِ بِعِبَادِي إِنَّكُمْ مَتَّبَعُونَ In Surah Al-Dukhan, أَنْ أَسْرِ بِعِبَادِي لَيْلًا إِنَّكُمْ مُتَّبَعُونَ Allah Azza wa Jal reveals to Musa alayhi salam, take Bani Israel, Collect them all, gather them all. This commandment is coming at night. And travel, go to the ocean. The commandment comes at night. Why? So that they can have a head start. Because Fir'aun and the army are still sleeping. Once they wake up and they realize you're gone, they will follow. So go, take a head start and leave Egypt. This is the command that Allah Azza wa would give Musa alayhi salam the night before Ashura. But one second. You might believe and you might think that this is finally Allah's relief has come down to Bani Israel and Musa alayhi salam. But there was something more important than this. In the lead up to this command, there's something more important. And that is as Ibn Kathir rahimahullah mentions, 40 years before this commandment, there was another command that Allah azza wa had revealed to Musa alayhi salam. Allah azza wa he says in Surah Yunus, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ مُوسَىٰ وَأَخِيهِ أَن تَبَوَّأَ لِقَوْمِكُمَا بِمِصْرَ بُيُوتًا وَاجْعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ قِبْلَةً وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ This command was given to Musa alayhi salam almost 40 years before the commandment of taking Bani Israel and heading towards the ocean. Before relief came, Allah Azza wa Jal revealed to Musa alayhi salam and his brother Harun, Build and construct houses for yourself on the land of Egypt. Build houses. And then once you build these houses, Make your houses a qibla. Make your houses a masjid. Because Fir'aun was that oppressive and that arrogant that he did not allow the believers to congregate and pray in jama'ah. Nor were there any masajid. There's no permission. The government at the time did not allow anyone to build a masjid and to congregate the believers and to pray in congregation. That was not allowed. Right? So what's the solution? Do we leave the salat altogether? No. Build the house and make the house a qibla. Make the house a masjid. And not only this, salat. Establish a salat in these houses. Pray in your house. If you cannot congregate, if al-masajid are closed, if al-masajid are banned, 
Then congregate and pray at home. This commandment is coming 40 years before relief. And it is the stepping stone, toward, stepping stone towards relief. You'll see how. Then Allah Azza said, وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Give good news. Congratulate the believers. Allahu Akbar, you see that? Between the commandment of establishing a salat and the good news, there are no words. وَأَقِيمُ salat. If you learn how to do this, and you do it correctly, the only result is وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Congratulate the believers. Victory is on the way. Don't worry, don't ask when. Just do what is told. وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Congratulate the believers. Allahu Akbar. And so this is the legacy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has installed for mankind, has taught mankind. The moment you learn how to establish your salawat, and you give it the utmost importance in your life, that is the road to victory. And this is mentioned multiple times in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He says, أقم الصلاة لدلوك الشمس إلى غسق الليل وقرآن الفجر إن قرآن الفجر كان مشهودا ومن الليل فتهجد به نافلة لك عسى أن يبعثك ربك مقاما محمودا this ayah in Surah Al-Isra, Allah Azza wa Jal commands the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to establish the five daily prayers and pray something at night. The next ayah, Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَقُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلِ Go and announce and address and make it public to the people that جَاءَ الْحَقُّ The truth has finally arrived. وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلِ And at the same time, if the truth has arrived, what happens to the falsehood? And the corruption and the misguidance, well, kufr, it gets destroyed. So when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he entered Mecca, finally, in the last years of his life, as he entered Mecca, 360 idols around the Kaaba were shattered and destroyed. A tawheed was re-established in Mecca. As he entered, he had a stick. And he was poking the idols, saying, وَقُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلِ but this didn't happen unless he fulfilled the command which was before. Which is establishing a salat. You see the direct relationship between victory and establishing a salat. In Surah Al-Fatih, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began the surah with positive words, certain words. We gave you an opening, a grand opening. A clear opening. And this of course it's referring to Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. The peace treaty that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had with Quraysh. And that's Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. That's it. That was the Fath. That was a lead up to the consequence, uh, to the con- conquest of Mecca. How did this Sulh al-Hudaybiyah happen? How did the conquest of Mecca happen? How? At the end of the surah there is the formula. The formula. Of victory is mentioned at the end of Surah Al-Fatih. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Muhammadur Rasulullah, wal-lazina ma'ahu, ashidda'u ala al-kuffari, ruhama'u baynahum, tarahum rukka'an sujjada. You see, when you observe the state of a sahaba, you will always see them, tarahum, present tense, implies continuity. You always see them, consistently see them, how? Rukka'an sujjada. In ruku'ah, in sujood. Someone praying 
And this hour, someone praying at night, someone praying in the masjid before the fard, after the fard. That's always the case. Tarahum ruka'an sujada. Not only a salat, but the salat had an effect. Simahum fi wujuhihim min athari sujood. You can see a clear sign on their faces because of a sujood. A clear sign. A taqwa was seen on their faces. Where did this come from? From a sujood, from the effect of a sujood. What effect has a sujood had upon you, my brother and sister in Islam? A sujood is supposed to have an effect on us. Power, salat is power. It is the road to victory. And as a result, Allah Azza wa gave the believers victory. Allahu Akbar. If you look into the narration of Ad-Dajjal, and when Al-Masih, uh, Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam comes down, a long story, fast forward until Isa ibn Maryam reaches Baytul Maqdis. That's where he'll reach. And he reaches there, and it is time for Salatul Fajr. So he prays Salatul Fajr among the believers at the time. And the one who leads the Salat is the leader of the Muslims at the time, which is Al-Mahdi alayhi salam. He prays. He leads a Salat, Al-Mahdi. And behind him are the believers. And behind him is Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam. Once Salatul Fajr is finished, Isa ibn Maryam heads towards the door and he observes Ad-Dajjal at the gate of Lud. When he sees him, Ad-Dajjal dissolves and he melts like how salt would melt and dissolve in water. And that's the end of the biggest fitna on earth. But you see something, watch this. Before this victory was mentioned of how Isa alayhi salam would end Ad-Dajjal, there was a mention of all this. Salat al-Fajr being prayed and established and the believers are praying. Why? Why wouldn't the narration just tell us how Dajjal would end? So you can learn the relationship between Salat al-Fajr and victory. Learn the relationship between them. For this command that Allah would reveal to Musa alayhi salam, the night of Ashura, there was 40 years of preparation before it. Now the command comes down the night of Ashura. Allah reveals to Musa alayhi salam, collect Bani Israel, take them out of the prisons because that's where they were. They were in the prisons of Fir'aun. They were being insulted and abused and tortured. Their babies were being killed every second year, the boys. So much damage. So much oppression, so much abuse. Now finally relief comes. Relief is coming. Finally relief comes. So he packs them all up. He collects them all. The men, the women, the children, the old. Everyone is collected. And they head towards the ocean. A head start. Then Allah Azza wa would say, فَأَتْبَعُوهُمْ مُشْرِقِينَ Fir'aun and his army woke up the next morning. Mushriqeen at shuruq time, seven, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, he was up and he realizes that Musa and Bani Israel are missing. They're not in the cells that they're supposed to be in. For he quickly caught on to the subject and the topic and he gathers his army really quickly and they began to head towards where Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel have went. Al-Mufassirun rahimahumullah mentioned that Musa alayhi salam with Bani Israel were approximately 600,000, give or take. Fir'aun 
with his army were approximately two million, give or take. As Allah Azza wa Jal, he mentions about the, the great army that Fir'aun had. They were described as pillars, massive people. They had, he had an army. They were known as a junud. A jundi, a junud is a person that is well equipped, well equipped militarily. He has the skill, he has the knowledge, he has the latest weaponry. This is what a jundi is. So you can imagine, Fir'aun is coming and his army is with him and they're well equipped. This is not just civilians that are coming out. This is a military force that is coming out in pursuit of who? Of civilians that are poor and weak and traumatized and shattered and broken. So Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَأَتْبَعُوهُمْ مُشْرِقِينَ Then Allah Azza wa Jal said, فَلَمَّا تَرَاءَ الْجَمْعَانِ These two parties, Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel and Fir'aun in the army, made eye contact. Allah said, فَلَمَّا تَرَاءَ الْجَمْعَانِ When the two parties made eye contact and saw each other, she's getting very close. قال أصحاب موسى إنا لمدركون بني إسرائيل are terrified بني إسرائيل are absolutely scared they are shaking all of them in one voice قال أصحاب موسى all of them said إنا لمدركون they caught up to us we've been followed we've been caught we're finished we're destroyed we're ruined we're wasted. This is the end of us. Inna lamudrakun. Negative words. Negative words. Words of people that do not have 100% certainty in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaky words. What is this? These are words of someone who has bad thought in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, I tell you something. Many Muslims are doing like Bani Israel. Many. This is not just a story of the past. Its same events are being lived today, even worse. If today an army, a well-equipped army, is not coming after us with their swords, what replaces this is the army of Kufr that is coming to us with their propaganda and their filth. And where do you start? When you want to speak about al-fitan and the corruption and the misguidance that is coming from the West onto the believers and onto the Muslims. You want to speak about the LGTV plus community that has pushed its agenda and its propaganda in the face of Muslims to the point where they've got Muslim brothers and sisters to advertise for their propaganda. This is worse than a sword coming to you. Then the sword, if it was coming to you from an enemy, just stand your ground for a few minutes, say la ilaha illallah, and gain the rank of martyrdom. Finished. But what do you do with this? The fitan that are coming are entering our homes without permission. 
you have no choice and you have no say in the option. You have no say in the matter. And not only this, the ideologies of kufr that are also being pumped into the face of the Muslim and pushed into the face of the Muslim community and those of our brothers and sisters that attend universities that teach the subject of philosophy, the subject of kufr. Philosophy, the idea of it is to tell you, you need to question everything on earth. You need to have an answer for every event that happened on earth. Allah says, لا يسأل عما يفعل. He is not to be questioned about what he does. Philosophy tells you, you need an answer for everything. So they come up with their own theories. Big Bang Theory, the uh, human evolution theory, whatever you like, there is a theory for it. Take it. We've explained it to you. Allah Azza wa Jal says, لا يسأل عما يفعل. Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, ما أشهدتهم خلق السماوات والأرض ولا خلق أنفسهم. Allah did not allow any one human being to witness the creation of the heavens and the earth and the creation of themselves. No one witnessed it. So who comes up with these theories and tries to convince us this is how the world came about. This is how humans came about. All this is rejected and denounced and condemned. This is al-fitnah. And I told you, believers are acting like Bani Israel. Muslims are like this. Once the fitnah come, inna lamudarakun. What do we do? What are we going to do? The fitna are increasing, brother. How do we save ourselves? How do we save our children? Wallah, I'm packing up and I'm moving. I can't live here anymore. And he doesn't do anything. But inna lamudrakun, words of doubt, words of people that are having bad thought of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna lamudrakun. This is the case of people today. Think of this. al fitan are right here. And they will increase and keep increasing until the greatest of them at Dajjal comes out. They're going to keep increasing. They will not reduce. They will not decrease. So you need to be ready. Am I amidst all this chaos? Amidst all this this evil thought in Allah? Amidst all this fear? Amidst all this panic? Amidst all this doubt? Of Bani Israel, there is Musa alayhi salam that is standing and observing and listening. Bani Israel, we've been praying for 40 years. Now you see Al Fitna coming, or the enemy coming, you lose it. Musa alayhi salam says a few words, words that are documented in the Quran. Mentioned in the Quran that we're going to read until the last day. That's how powerful they are. Words that were said on Ayyamullah. Words that were said on the day of Allah. Words that were said on Ashura. This is the highlight of Ashura. He did not say to Bani Israel, relax. I've got a ton of gold here. We'll give it to Fir'aun and we'll free ourselves. He didn't say, what's God going to do for it? He did not say, Relax. And the backup is coming. It's arriving soon. Relax. We'll look after this. What's that going to do? He said to them, I have on my side 
the one who controls the sword in the hands of Fir'aun and the army of Fir'aun. This is what he said. He said, Inna, kalla. Kalla, first he shut them up. He silenced them. Kalla, not at all. Stop uttering what you're uttering. Stop losing it. Don't show me fear and panic. That's not the time for it. Now, our certainty in Allah is being tested now. Before, when times are easy, it's very easy to say, Amantu Billah and Allah is here. It's very easy. But say that in the midst of a fitna, that's where the achievement is. So first he silenced them. Kalla, inna, verily, certainly, no doubt about it. And I can just imagine Musa alayhi salam, certainty is erupting from him. Ma'ya, with me, Rabbi sayahdeen, my Lord is certainly with me. I don't doubt it. Can you, can you imagine the certainty and the honesty in how he's saying these words? He really means it. He really believes it. I mean, the, the Fir'aun and his army are there. You can see them. How does a person, how is a person inspired and motivated to say such words in such a position? That's an achievement. Hey, this is what we want. This is what we want to achieve. In the face of al-fitan, we want to look at each other and we want to say to each other, Inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdeen. He'll guide us out of all this. He'll save us from this fitna altogether. He'll save us. We just got to do what he says. That's all. And you don't worry how Allah would save you. You don't believe it? Here, take the story of Ashura and see the how Allah made the impossible possible to save the believers. He said to them, Inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdeen. Ma'ya rabbi. I have my Lord with me. It's a big word. How are you going to be in the company of Allah? And this is, this is the question you're supposed to ask. If you haven't thought of this, you're still not switched on. The question you're supposed to be asking, how can I have Allah with me? How can I have his aid and support and protection and care? What's the path to that? Lenu Musa is saying, inna ma'ya rabbi. So how do I have Allah on my side? Because Allah is not with everyone. How do I have this? العلماء would call it المعيّة الخاصة, the special, the special company of Allah سبحانه وتعالى. How? Allah Azza wa Jalla He says, وقال الله, وقال الله إني معكم. Allah said and He declared, I am with you. Then He put a few conditions. لئن أقمتم الصلاة وآتيتم الزكاة وآمنتم برسلي وعزرتموهم. He gave us the, the formula. You want Allah to be on your side and protect you and look after you and take care of you and your family. Very simple. You'll get that. So long as you establish a salat. Once again, a salat was first. And you give your zakat. And you believed in all the messengers of Allah. And you supported them. And you gave them victory. 
especially Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and you followed his sunnah, and you held on to it. These are the conditions for Allah to be with you. Listen. وَعَزَّرْتُمُوهُمْ You honored them. You respected them. وَأَقْرَضْتُمُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا And you gave sadaqat. You gave goodness to the people. Either your effort, your time, your knowledge, your money, your skill, your whatever it is that benefits the Muslims around you. وَأَقْرَضْتُمُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا That's when Allah Azza wa Jal would be with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا Allah is with those who have a taqwa, which is to implement Allah's commands and keep away from the prohibitions. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ اتَّقُوا وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ And those who have ihsan and excellence in that which they do. وَاصْبِرُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah is with those that are patient. When Musa alayhi salam says, I'm in the company of Allah, my Lord is with me. This is what he has done to achieve this. So he's absolutely certain. He's erupting with certainty. Allah, each word, each word, inna, ma'ya, rabbi, sayahdi, is like, a, is like a ball in the cannon being fired to the enemy. Injecting within Bani Israel absolute certainty and trust in Allah. Inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdin. Allahu Akbar. After this, Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, فَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَىٰ أَنُبْرِبْ بَعَصَاكَ الْبَحْرِ Love this. Relief came. Allahu Akbar. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what's ahead. He knows Allah would guide him out. How? I don't know. Well, I tell you as well. In the face of fitr, just do what has to be done and then ask me how Allah is going to save us. I don't know. But it will happen. It will definitely happen. Maybe Hak Allah would save you. Would make you blind the moment the fitr would come to you. And they don't reach you on your phone, or in your ads, or on your YouTube, or wherever you are. Heck, Allah Azza wa will turn it away from you. And you won't see it. It can happen. So look at this. Allah Azza wa he says, فَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَىٰ Then we gave direct command to Musa alayhi salam. Use your staff and strike the ocean. But this command and this relief didn't come only after certainty was 100%. They build your certainty. Use the day of Ashwara to reflect over this lesson. So he, and you think of it, a staff, strike on the ocean. What's that going to do? Really, what is it going to do? Go take a staff tomorrow, head towards the ocean, and hit it. It's going to do nothing. Nothing at all. Lakin Musa alayhi salam, the one who's emitting with this guidance, with this certainty and trust, Strikes at once. Allah Azza wa Jal, by His permission, makes the impossible possible and it parts. It opens up paths. And He's Musa alayhi salam and Bani Israel all crossing this ocean until they reach the other side. Men, women, children, whatever they had, caravans, all of it's going through. Everyone survives. Ajma'een, Allah says. All of them. That's a miracle as well because when you have old men and that, you think, you know, these people are going to miss out. But Allah would save them all. Not only that, you assume that since the ocean had parted, that the water should be muddy. The earth should be muddy. Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَضْرِبْ لَهُمْ طَرِيقًا فِي الْبَحْرِ يَبَاسًا It was dry, so that they can move quicker on it and not get stuck in the mud. Heck, miracles will happen. Don't worry how relief would come and in which manner it would come. The impossible becomes possible. And to just worry about how to be with Allah Azza wa Jal. It's all. So Allah Azza wa Jal parts this sea. 
They cross, they get to the other side. Once they're on the other side, Fir'aun and his army arrives. They look at this scene. Fir'aun, the transgressor and the kafir he is, takes advantage of this for himself. And he says to Bani Israel, I'm your Lord, look what I've done for you. The sea is parted. Let's walk through. For they believe him. And they walk through until all of them, the last one of them, enters and now they're all in the ocean. Allahu Akbar. Musa alayhi salam, when he realizes this, he comes towards the ocean and he wants to strike it, strike it again so he can close. He doesn't know what to do. Allah would say to him, Leave the ocean. Move to the side. Now watch the show unfold. This is a destroyed army. All of them are going to drown. Watch each and every single one of them taste from my punishment in this life. Sit back, you and Bani Israel. Allah Azza wa mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah. We drowned them. We caused them to drown while all of you were watching what had happened. Allahu Akbar. Wallahi, there's nothing better than the believers being soothed and comforted when they see their enemy being destroyed and ruined. How beautiful of a feeling is this? Considering what had happened to Bani Israel and the abuse and the torture that they had received from Fir'aun and his army. So they sit back and they watch this punishment of Allah unfold on the most arrogant that lived on earth from mankind. The ocean closes, and it's like we're zooming in onto Fir'aun to record his last words on earth. So it can be a sign for each and every single one of us. Allah Azza wa Jal says, When drowning overtook Fir'aun, he's in his last moments, he's dying now. As he was drowning, he began to say, I indeed have believed that there is no Lord worthy of worship except the Lord that Bani Israel worshipped and I am from those who submit and surrender to Allah. Ten words, he couldn't say, Amantu Billah. He was deprived from the word Allah. He couldn't say it. He said 10 things to get to this meaning. Heather, the one that, that lives and doesn't know Allah, how is he going to be given success to say la ilaha illallah at the end of his life? He's deprived. This is an honor to say la ilaha illallah. And this is your honor. This is your identity. How are Muslims still confused when they have the biggest knowledge and the biggest truth on earth living in their hearts, which is La ilaha illallah. And my brothers and sisters in Islam, the La ilaha illallah is the biggest torch as we navigate through this dark life that we're in. The greatest torch, biggest light you'll see ever in your life. This will walk you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's that huge and great. Fir'aun was deprived from it on the day of Ashura. Allahu Akbar. 
So Allah Azza wa Jalla said, bibadanik. Today, we're going to save and preserve your body. Why? So that you can serve as a sign and a reflection for those that come after you. Anyone that wants to do like you should just have a glance at what happened to you and that would frighten them and move them away from your actions and your deeds. But the unfortunate reality, Allah Azza wa Jal would say, وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا مِّنَ النَّاسِ عَنْ آيَاتِنَا لَغَافِلُونَ وَصَدَقَ اللَّهِ Allah Azza wa Jal, he concludes that ayah saying, however, many, many of our creation or mankind, when it comes to our ayat, they are heedless. May Allah Azza wa Jal not make us from among the heedless. Because heedlessness is destruction. Heedlessness is a path to the hellfire. Hadal heedlessness, if a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam experienced it moments in the day, he would seek forgiveness a hundred times. In the hadith of Sahih, innahu layughanu ala qalbi. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, moments of the day I experience al-ghan. Wal-ghan is less than al-ran that is mentioned in surah Al-Mutaffifin. Al-Ghan is like heck, dust. Just act like a, a fog of heedlessness. That would affect the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what would you do? And I would seek Allah's forgiveness more than a hundred times. Just uh, for moments of heedlessness. Allahu Akbar. And this is the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who would say to Aisha radiyallahu anha my eye sleeps, but my heart doesn't sleep. He's always aware of Allah Azza wa He's aware of his Lord. Every moment of the day and the night. He wakes up upon dhikrullah. First thing saying, Alhamdulillah. That's the first thing he said. And when he sleeps, the last thing he would do, he would recite Al-Quran or some dhikr. Yani waking upon dhikrullah who's sleeping upon dhikrullah. Allahu Akbar. That's how you save yourself from heedlessness. That's how you earn. In, that's how you become in the company of Allah Azza wa Jal. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, وَأَنَا مَعَ عَبْدِي إِذَا ذَكَرَنِي I am with my sleeve whenever he remembers me. وَتَحَرَّكَتْ بِشَفَتَاهِ And when his lips move in my remembrance. This is what we want to reflect on, my brothers and sisters in Islam, on this blessed day. On this sacred day, because Ashura is from the month of Muharram. The month of Muharram is a Ashurillah al Hurum, Shahrullah al Muharram, it's referred to as. From the sacred month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reflect on this point and understand relief and victory and protection only comes after you establish Allah's commands. You see, when Allah told Musa alayhi salam to strike the sea, did Musa alayhi salam turn to Allah? And say that doesn't make sense. Explain it to me. Wallahi sami'na wa ata'na. Sami'na wa ata'na. Khalas. If that's the command, I'll do it. Because that's a command. When you obey Allah's command and stop questioning the reason why this and why that and why this, why do we have to do this? Five prayers like this. Al hijab and its category and its uh, description and all this, what's this for? Will, will be, then why do I have to grow the bead and so on? La, la, la. Don't question Allah's commands. Allah commands Musa, strike the staff on the ocean. He does it. 
doesn't question. Don't question Allah's commands. Do what he says. Relief came immediately after it. Fanfalak, Allah would say immediately. Relief would come and that is the parting of the ocean. And this is what we have to do. This is what you have to do in this modern day that we live. In the face of al-fitan, wallah, nothing, wallahi, nothing will save you. Other than dhikrullah and your worship. Allah Azza wa Jalla, he says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, idha laqeetum fi'atan fathbutu wa dhkurullaha kathira. O oh, you who believe, if you face the enemy, face the enemy, face the propaganda of the enemy, face the filth and the corruption and al-fitan that is coming, what do you do? Fathbutu. Hold your ground. Stand strong. Stand with absolute certainty in Allah. And then, Allah Make dhikr of Allah in abundance. With dhikr, it's a general word that means all the worships because every worship reminds you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what you're to do. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he gave advice to Hudayfa radiallahu anhu in the times of fitan, he said to him, one command, and I'll leave you with this. He said to him, Ya Hudayfa, alayka bi kitab Allah. Anhu is worried, he's questioning in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the evil hits, when the evil comes and it spreads, what do I do? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gave him a solution straight away. He said to him, Ya commit to the word of Allah, commit to the book of Allah. Not only just hold on to the book and just walk around it and say, I have a Quran. لا, لا. That doesn't benefit you like this. فتعلمه. Go and learn it. Learn what's in it. And then after you learn it, وَاتَّبِعْ مَا فِيهِ Follow what's in it. Because once you follow Al-Quran, you're following Allah's guidance, you will never be led astray. Never ever. No matter what's in front of you. Even if a Dajjal came, huh? which is the biggest fitna, 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf is enough to get rid of him. Imagine the whole Quran. What would they do? 10 ayat were enough. Allahu Akbar. فَتَعَلَّمْهُ وَاتَّبِعْ مَا فِيهِ يَكُنْ خَيْرًا لَكَ It would be better for you. So don't go left and right, updating yourself on the latest. What is happening? Where's the next fitna coming from? Use the time to study Kitab Allah and follow it. And this be الله تعالى Allah Azza wa would save us and protect us. We ask Allah Azza wa to accept from us, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to save us, to protect us min al-fitan ma zahara minha wa ma batan us and our children and the believing men and women. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our gathering, to forgive our sins and our shortcomings in the wa ذلك وقادر عليه. Forgive me for taking long. Wassallallahu wassallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.